When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Kendra Winchester here with Jacqueline Masters, and this is Reading Women, a podcast inviting you to reclaim the bookshelf and read the world. Today, we're talking about books around this month's theme, which is incarceration. And you can find a complete transcript of this episode on our website, readingwomenpodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Well, it's a new month's theme and uh, a new recording location for you. I feel like you have been the the wandering podcaster. (laughs) I feel like I've dialed in from so many different, like I've dialed in from a different place every time we've done a a recording this year, Kendra. (laughs) (laughs) But now you're back with your Yeti mic and you have a little more permanent space. So that's really nice. Yeah, it's it's good to sort of have a little bit of a, a base again. Yeah, we are both, you know, nesters, so <laughs> 100% feel you. I am very excited to chat about our theme today, um, but per usual, we have some updates. Um, so this month's update is that we are going to have, at the end of September, our Patreon book club. So for as little as $1, you can join our Patreon book club. We try to make it accessible to anyone um, who would like to join. And so this quarter's pick is Blackwater Sister by Zen Cho. And this is the story of Jessamine, who is a closeted uh, queer woman who is moving back to Malaysia, uh, which is a country she left when she was a toddler. And she kind of learns more about her family's history, including um, that her grandmother was a spirit medium. And so there's this avatar called um, the Black Water Sister, and it's like this ghost sort of story. You may remember Zen Cho from um, The Sorcerer to the Crown, which Autumn and I talked about a while ago. So I'm very excited to read more of Zen Cho's work. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty great. Mm, Sounds good. Yeah, I have, we haven't done a fantasy book in a while, and it, another one of our picks from quarter two is actually one of my picks today, so I'll talk about that a little later. But if you'd like to join, you can follow the link in the show notes and head over to our Patreon. We have exclusive podcasts, newsletters, weekly updates with fur baby stuff, and it is fabulous. Um, you know, the, the fur kids really take the cake, I think. <laughs> They steal the show. (laughs) They really do. They really do. Um, And we have so many fur kids now as part of the team, so you get a little bit of of everything. (laughs) I guess now time to jump into September's theme. Um, So Jacqueline, uh, you chose this month's theme. Um, Would you like to talk a little bit about uh, what kind of inspired you or um, made you start thinking about this theme to talk about on the podcast? Mm. So we're, we're going to be looking at books on incarceration this month, and that is a very, very broad theme. And, you know, full disclosure, we're only going to be able to touch on a small amount. There are 
is a huge amount of literature out there that you can read, fiction, nonfiction, lots of documentaries. This is really just to give you an idea about some of the things that we've been reading on the topic, some of the things that we've been sort of interested in. So there's obviously a very Australian focus with some of the things that I've been looking at. And I know Kendra, um, a lot of the literature and sort of broader reading you've been looking at has had a disability focus. Um, So I feel like we we bring sort of our own interests to this topic as well. Um, And we're going to have a a list of resources in the show notes that you can click on for some further reading um, to give you a bit more context about, you know, those sort of um, backgrounds that we're bringing to it. Um, And really to talk about some of the, I guess in my case, some of the more regionally specific things that I wanted to sort of touch on and flag for international listeners um, of the podcast. One of the key things that I really wanted to flag for listeners overseas about um, the discussions in Australia is the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody report that was handed down in the early 90s. Um, and made a whole list of recommendations. I think there was 339 to be specific, um, and a majority of them have not been implemented. And I'm going to link to a really great article by Amy McGuire that was in the Washington Post that really talks about a lot of this and looks at it from you know a more contemporary perspective about how you know the gaps in reform and what hasn't taken place since then. Um, And one of them more more recently, which a lot of people might have seen on social media, is this hashtag raise the age campaign, which is looking at raising the age of criminal responsibility in Australia, which is currently at 10 years old. So there was a whole campaign of people sharing photos of what they were like and what they were interested in when they were 10 years old and flagging that these are children. These are children that are exposed to incarceration um, at such a young age. So I think seeing a lot of those, you know, really made me want to cover this theme and sort of, you know, read a lot more about it myself, but also to direct people to some of the resources that Kendra and I have come across. But yeah, Amy's article is fantastic. And she also talks about sort of the over-representation in in prison populations of First Nations um, persons, um, you know, the statistics um, compared to the, the... the national population as well, which are just really striking. So I definitely recommend checking out that article as a really good sort of entry point to, you know, further reading as well. Another thing that we both came across is the lack of accessibility on literature around incarceration. Um, As many of you know, I can only read via audio and finding audio books also for books outside of the U.S., so for books that look at different incarceration systems around the world, most of them are available only as ebook or in print, and I wasn't able to access those. And even books about disability and incarceration were not available on audio. And so a lot of the books um, that we gravitated towards were part of that was because they were available on audio um, and were accessible to me, but I feel like the more we looked into it, the more of a gap there seems to be there and wanting to learn more about other countries and trying to bring more international discussions um, to this topic. It, it was quite, <laughs> quite the spot we found ourselves in in our research. And so I think it's really important to point out that we need more accessibility in this field, not just for audiobooks, but for books to be available in other countries so that you know, we're not just reading about America's system. It's important to read about America's system, but we should also be reading about other systems around the world and educating ourselves 
but that's not always possible if we don't have access to the literature. Mm, I'm so conscious we're recording this during Women in Translation Month as well, and I'd say that there's an Mm -hmm. even sort of greater need for translated works on this topic to be available. And I think a lot of, certainly when I was looking into it, a lot of the presses that published a lot of books on incarceration and sort of adjacent topics were smaller presses, they were independent or university presses doing amazing work, but perhaps not you know, resourced enough to have audio copies available. So yeah, I, I would say if you are looking on this topic, I found Scribd an incredible resource for sort of, you know, further recommendations after I'd read a title or just, yeah, having ebooks and audiobooks. Um, I, I know certainly the discussion pick that I chose is not actually published in Australia yet, and I was able to listen to it via audio um, on Scribd. So yeah, great resource if you need a recommendation there. Yeah. And as someone who really wants to read more about these topics, it was, I I always find it frustrating when I run into accessibility issues because of disability and wanting to read more about disability incarceration. Um, So some of the titles that I could not access, I am including in that resource list and we'll talk about it later in the show. Um, So I have not read them yet, but they are on my list and I'm keeping an eye out for audiobooks if they ever become available, but you will be able to um, check those out. Um, if you are interested in those. Um, but yeah, so that's why we have a lot of extra resources is because we went through so many trying to find two books on audio <laughs> that, um, you know, we would discuss and that we felt like hadn't, you know, already been in the public eye maybe as much or looking at different topics in a new way or, you know, it was a very... I don't know. It was like, I felt like we went back and forth a lot longer than we normally do trying to find two books that... <laughs> That would will go well together, but also were accessible to both of us. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I feel like the benefit of that is that people now have a great TBR list to <laughs> to get to, and hopefully there's a range that are accessible in whichever country you're reading in. That's very true, um, and we were happy also to have any recommendations, and so you can shoot those to us on Twitter at the Reading Woman um, via email or on Instagram at the Reading Woman. Um, all of those contact links are below. We're happy to hear what you're reading as well. And we'll be back with more from this episode of Reading Women after a word from our sponsor. The sponsor of this episode is Mubi, a curated streaming service showing exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Mubi premieres a new film. From iconic directors to emerging talent, there's always something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected, and it's like your own personal film festival, streaming anytime, anywhere. The thing I love most about Mubi is how they give me access to films from around the world from the comfort of my own living room. I don't have a cinema that plays films like this around where I live, and I am able to watch films from Turkey, Germany, Mexico, Japan, just by logging into Mubi, and they're all there at my fingertips. So I'm in the U.S., but Movie is available in 195 countries, so wherever you are, there's always going to be something for you. You can try Movie free for 30 days at Movie.com slash readingwomen. That's Movie.com slash readingwomen for a whole month of great cinema for free. Thanks so much to Movie for sponsoring this episode of Reading Women. All right. Well, it's time to jump into our picks for this month. Uh, Jacqueline, you have the first one. 
I do. So the first book I wanted to talk about today is Black and Blue, A Memoir of Racism and Resilience by Veronica Gorey. And this came out this year in Australia from Scribe. So Veronica Gorey is a Gunai Kurnai woman, and this is really a memoir of her growing up and raising her children, but also a real focus on her decade in the police force and a lot of really sort of direct discussions about her experiences, her personal experiences of institutional sexism and racism and, you know, just a whole myriad of different experiences that she had with this. And I think it's relevant to this discussion about incarceration because and specifically what we'll talk about with our discussion books, but incarceration is more than just prison. It's it's sort of a, this broad web of carceral systems and things that feed into what ultimately is imprisonment for people, but certainly the police and the experience of that element of the justice system is a huge part of that discussion. So I really appreciated this sort of perspective, um, specifically because, you know, as the blurb notes, Gori is one of the few um, Aboriginal police officers in Australia, or she, she was rather, she is not a police officer at the moment. What she shares in this book about sort of the over-policing of different communities based on racial grounds, the abuses of power, I think this one really ties in with Amy Maguire's Washington Post article that I, had, I mentioned earlier and really goes into some of those systemic um, issues with the justice system. And specifically in this case, I think it does a really interesting job of looking at colonialism and intergenerational trauma and how they have contributed to this current system and specifically looking at deaths in custody, the over-representation of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in prison populations. There's so much in this. I, I found it a really, really moving read. Um, so I highly recommend uh, you checking that one out. So that one is Black and Blue, A Memoir of Racism and Resilience by Veronica Gori. And that's out from Scribe here in Australia. And Kendra, what's the first book that you wanted to talk about today? So my first pick is From the Desk of Zoe Washington by Janae Marks. Um, this is titled The Faraway Truth in the UK. And this was one of our recent uh, Patreon book club picks. And we had a great discussion. We talked for an hour about this book and it's a middle grade. So I feel like that really illustrates the depth that this book has. So this book is about Zoe Washington, and when she um, was very young, I'm not even sure if she was born yet, her biological father was arrested and charged with a crime, um, and he was then put into prison. Um, her parents, her biological father and her mother broke up, and then her mother eventually remarried um, her dad. And so uh, Zoe grows up with a white you know, stepfather who she views as her dad, and she's never had any contact with her biological father until she finds this letter from him on her birthday. Her mother has never allowed any sort of communication, so Zoe starts writing her biological father in secret, and he tells her that he is innocent. And throughout this book, Zoe comes to understand that her assumption that people who are in prison are always the bad guys, that the system always gets it right, or even that the system works, honestly, um, all of that goes up into the air for her. Like It's like her childlike belief is then 
you know, disrupted by the realities of the situation. And so she begins learning about the Innocence Project um, in the U.S. And uh, it's, you know, the story is very complex and really gives adults a way to have these conversations with kids. This is, you know, a very age-appropriate book and starts introducing these ideas two kids in this age group. And I was very impressed with how complicated the book became, but it was very effective. At the same time, it didn't get lost or muddled or confused. And there's a lot of themes of forgiveness and reconciliation and on what that looks like. And I think that this is incredibly important step for kids to understand is this first kind of understanding that the system is broken and there are innocent people in in jail. And it kind of gives you like the starting steps for more like in-depth, you know, look at incarceration. But, you know, this is for kids. But um, I thought it was really well done. Jacqueline, have you heard of any other books for kids that start tackling this topic at such an early age, I guess? Oh, that's probably a gap in my reading. I admittedly don't read a lot of um, books at set at that age, and I, I honestly can't think of any. Um, but I'd love to hear from our listeners if anyone has any recommendations for us, particularly um, outside of the US too. Yes, I, I would love to read more books for kids and to have those conversations. I think it can be such a difficult topic to talk about with kids, and you know, it's, but it's still a very important thing that they need to understand. And so I'd never read a book that introduced the topic to kids in such a way. I always felt like most of them were about incarceration in the past, maybe, or, you know, it was not a contemporary book. And it certainly didn't real deal with like things like the Innocence Project, which are a very um, mm. real organization. There's resources in the back of the book as well if you're interested in talking to your child more about it. And I just felt it was was really well handled. Um, But that is From the Desk of Zoe Washington by Janae Marks. It's a very hopeful book, which I think is really good for, for kids as well. And we'll be back with more from this episode of Reading Women after a word from our sponsor. The sponsor of this episode is Talkspace. After the emotionally draining year we all endured in 2020, there are positive things on the horizon for 2021. It's time to take what we learned in 2020 and start heading in a new direction. That's why instead of just celebrating a month of mental health awareness, it should be our priority all year long. Take the first step with online therapy. Talk therapy is an incredibly important part of taking care of our mental health. As May is mental health awareness, it's a particular time we take uh, to focus on topics around mental health. Uh, But if you're like me and you still are social distancing and being careful because maybe you have a condition or maybe you're taking care of the elderly and have to be very careful that way, whatever the case may be, you may not be able to get to a therapist in person. Talkspace gives you an opportunity to have talk therapy via your computer. You can get online and talk to your therapist that way. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform that has thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. Your therapist can help you set and achieve your goals. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. 
Make sure to use the code readingwomen to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's readingwomen and talkspace.com. And Jacqueline, you have our first discussion pick. Yeah, so I'm very excited. I really, really enjoyed reading this book. Uh, It is Prison by Any Other Name, The Harmful Consequences of Popular Reforms, and it's by Maya Chenois and Victoria Law. Uh, And it hopefully has a great introduction by Michelle Alexander, who I think many of you might be familiar with from her work, The New Jim Crow. And this one is a really interesting work because it's looking at prison reforms and things that people would think of as alternatives to incarceration and is really looking at how so many of them actually are still forms of carceral control. And I think it's really interesting because one of the things that is really central to what the book is doing and unpacking is sort of broadening the net of what people might think of when they think of incarceration and and players involved in carceral control. So it's looking at a whole range of things, including, um, you know, technological fixes that end up becoming these sort of alternates to, to, you know, formal prison. So when looking at the different people that are involved in incarceration in this broader definition that they use in this book, I think one of the things that I found really interesting was this look at, you know, scientists creating the technologies that go into, you know, forming these new digital prisons, as, as they phrase it in the book, looking at teachers and pastors and people running homeless and domestic violence shelters. And it, I really think it really expanded how I think of incarceration um, and sort of look, it really holds up a critical lens to a lot of these different reform options that people look at when they think of ways that we can get rid of or reduce um an emphasis in the justice system on incarceration. Uh, so I just found this such a fascinating book and I, I'm going to link in the show notes to an interview that I watched with the authors um, and their publisher um, on YouTube. So check the show notes for that, but it's a really great conversation about, I guess, what they were trying to do with this book and how this is really, as a text, it's really just part of a conversation. It's not a, a quick fix. It's not a way to, to end things and, uh, a prescriptive guide for doing things better. It's really just, it's a, a toolkit. It's really trying to break down what the problems are that incarceration is trying to deal with and how these can be more helpfully and more progressively dealt with in communities. Uh, so I, I can't recommend it enough and I'm so excited to talk about it with you, Kendra, next episode. Um, so that one again is Prison by Any Other Name, The Harmful Consequences of Popular Reforms by Maya Shenwa and Victoria Law. That's out from the New Press. And Kendra, you have our second book that we'll be discussing. Yes. So um, my discussion pick is Incarceration Nations, A Journey to Justice in Prisons Around the World by Boz Dressinger. This is a book where the founder of the program, the Prison to College Pipeline, which works with incarcerated and formerly incarcerated uh, folks to get them into a college program once they are released from prison. And she decided to take a sabbatical and to travel around the world and talk to people who are doing various forms of programs um, in, in, in you know, incarceration systems around the world and to see what their um, you know, prison reform looks like, what, what is going on to advocate for incarcerated and formerly incarcerated people in different countries around the world. 
And this is very much a type of memoir slash travel writing kind of book in that is very much from the author's perspective. Um, And so I was trying to find books on prison systems around the world, but I couldn't find any on audio um, that were written by non-Americans. So just as a heads up, this is an American um, person, you know, wandering around the world. Um, And we'll talk a little bit about you know, the setup and the context of her writing in our discussion episode. But one of the things that I really appreciated about the book is that she looks at systems in different countries that are being run by people in those countries. And she's kind of standing off to the side as an observer. Sometimes she will train people in different countries, but it's very much with the intent that they take the tools that she gives them and then she steps away and they and they run with it so that it's not just some American person telling people what to do. She was trying to give them tools and then move on, you know, to a new place. And so I really appreciated that understanding that she has of like her role is not to, to take over, which is something that um, I was a little bit concerned about heading into the book, but I really appreciate her perspective on that. And so she takes you to a different uh, prison system in a different country with each chapter. I think one chapter covers two countries, um, but for the most part, she's kind of taking you on this journey. Um, And it's really interesting the way that she goes on this journey and the different aspects of her, what she believes coming into contact with other systems. And she kind of works through that. So it is a very personal journey for her, which I didn't really expect to be as much personal. I thought it would be a little more objective and research, but it really is more like a memoir. Um, Is that what you found about the book, Jacqueline, when, when you picked it up? Yeah, I, I definitely felt it was her coming in as a, an observer, um, which I think had its strengths and weaknesses. I, I don't think there's sort of a perfect way to, to or one way to write on this theme, but yeah, it definitely has that sort of that particular lens coming into it. So it, it's a great one to read amidst other reading, but I would hesitate to recommend this as like the only book you read on incarceration. Right. I don't think there's a singular book about incarceration that you could just read by itself. I think, no, <laughs> you know, as we say, we're all of our themes, this is just a, a, a sampling and, and hopefully it will encourage folks to go and read a wider range of titles, um, including, you know, fiction and nonfiction and systems of incarceration around the world. Um, but I think these books do pair well together because they make you think about incarceration in a different way. This book, I think it was very much the idea that American, that America has colonized countries in certain ways, and that includes exporting our idea of prison to other countries. And that really, like, I was like, oh, yes, that, I mean, that makes sense that with col- you know, colonization that that would happen, but then she actually reports on what that looks like in different countries. And so that was a unique perspective that I appreciated. So that is Incarceration Nations, A Journey to Justice in Prisons Around the World by Vaz Dressinger, and that is out from Other Press, and we'll be talking about that next time. 
So today we wanted to give you some extra resources because like we said, it became very apparent very quickly that there's no singular selection of books that would really give people the information that we wanted to communicate. So we have collected uh, further reading and further resources like documentaries, websites, um, etc. for you all to check out to hopefully give you a more well-rounded perspective on incarceration in different places around the world. Yeah, I feel like our show notes are always quite detailed and layered, but this time it's definitely a, you need to read the (laughs) fine print because there is a lot in there, Uh, a lot of links and hashtags and social accounts to go follow um, because there really is just such a huge amount out there that you can read on this topic. And this is very much just a drop in the ocean of what is out there. Um, And it's obviously, again, very regional um, specific given our backgrounds. So we would love to hear from listeners if there is anything you want to share with us that you'd you'd also recommend. So two of the books that I read this year and they're fiction um, that I really recommend checking out if you're looking for Australian works on this topic. The Natural Way of Things by Charlotte Wood, which is a fiction book, but it has a sort of a non-fiction inspiration behind it. Um, and I know Charlotte Wood has talked about this a lot in interviews, so there's a lot a lot out there to look at. Um, but one more recent one that I would highly recommend um, is After Story by Larissa Barrent. And the, the way that incarceration comes into this story is very... It's not sort of the central premise, but it sort of is in a way. Um, And I'm being very vague because I don't want to spoil it. But I think the way that it looks at narrative and agency um, while looking at incarceration in a very literal sense in the plot is just so clever and nuanced. Um, And it's just a brilliant book. I've seen so many people rave about it. It's getting amazing reviews here in Australia. So I fully expected to grace a lot of awards lists probably next year, things like the Stella, the Miles Franklin. So that's definitely one to um, have on your radar as well. And we've already discussed Against the Loveless World by Susan Abuhawa, but I would highly recommend that you go check out our discussion episode and read this book because I think it's a really important look at colonization and incarceration and how those are very much often tied together. And this is a fiction book. And so I think having a balance of fiction and nonfiction is a way to to keep your mind thinking about incarceration and what that might look like. Obviously, The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander is a key work in the United States on incarceration. Um, it is 10 years, at least 10 years old at this point, but there is an audio book and there is like the update edition of the um, print book has updated information as well. I think there's like an anniversary edition or something. Also something that I don't see a lot of people talking about with incarceration in like general readership um, is the connection of disabled the connection of disability and incarceration. Um, so for example, um, there is a connection um, when deaf folks are incarcerated. And so there's a book called Deaf People in the Criminal Justice System. Um, and that is a group of um, writers talking about what it is like to be a deaf person and being incarcerated in the lack of interpreters and the fact that you might be arrested for resisting arrest just because you're trying to sign, you know, that you are deaf and they take that as, you know, you're reaching for a weapon or something and just all of the complications of that. There's also discussion of people being forcibly incarcerated um, in psychiatric facilities and different things, which we will, is discussed in one of our discussion 
picks. So I, I don't, we'll go into that, but um, I've included several books on the topic of disability incarceration in the list in the show notes for you all to check out. One of the other resources I just want to put on everyone's radar, and it's certainly on mine because it is airing later this week at the time we're recording this, and it's a documentary that is going to be airing on NITV here in Australia called Incarceration Nation. And I know I've seen particularly a lot of First Nations um, activists and thought leaders that I follow on Instagram and Twitter um, have been sort of sharing that this is coming up. So it's, it's one that I'm really anticipating watching. So we'll, we'll pop links in the show notes where you can check that one out too. And there's a documentary called 13th on Netflix that you all can also go check out. I know it's available here in the US. Is it? Can you get access to that in Australia? Yeah, that one's available, okay. yeah. So that is available <laughs> in multiple countries, and you all can check that out. One thing that I wanted to flag, and I know every August um, there's a bookstagrammer, Alison Reads DC, who does this wonderful book drive as part of her birthday celebrations, trying to get books to incarcerated readers. And I really wanted to try and find um, some international resources for people that want to help do that, to help get um, books in the hands of incarcerated readers. And I came across one here in Australia called the National Prison Book Program, which is run by the Australian Prison Foundation. So I'll pop a link to that below, but I'd particularly love if people in various countries around the world can share some resources that we can pop on the Reading Women website if people do want to, to help in that way. Well, those are just a sampling of some of the resources that will be in our show notes. Again, please go check those out. All right. So that's it for from us for now. Um, we will be back, of course, with our next episode in a couple weeks. Um, but until then, Jacqueline, where can folks find you around the internet? I am on Instagram and Twitter and BookTube at Six Minutes For Me. And Kendra, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me at KD Winchester. That's K as in Kite, D as in Dylan Winchester on social media. Um, so you all can find me um, with that username across the internet. All right. Well, that's our show. Many thanks to our patrons whose support makes this podcast possible. This episode was produced and edited by me, Kendra Winchester. Our music is by Mickey Saito with Isaac Green. And join us next time when we dive into our discussion picks, Incarcerated Nations and Prison by Any Other Name. And in the meantime, you can find Reading Women on Instagram and Twitter at The Reading Women. And thank you for listening. Thank you.